Hey geeks, it's Jana and Ashley. Thanks for joining us this episode of the Geek Girls Universe podcast, your place for the latest geek and fandom news. Hey friends, welcome back to the Geek Girls Universe. Falcon and Winter Soldier may have come to an end, but this week Marvel released Assembled, the making of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. And it gave us an epic look at what it took to bring the latest Marvel Studios show to life. We're going to talk about that and share some of our favorite moments from the series. But first, if you're new here or haven't already, we would love it if you would subscribe, leave us a rating, wherever you're listening from. It helps our podcast reach other geeks and the more the geekier, right? We also have a Facebook group, Geek Girls Universe. You don't need to be a girl to join, only a geek. And today we have a special guest with us, Lizzie. Thank you so much for joining Jana and I today. Introduce yourself to our listeners, let them know where they can find you, all the things. Hello, I'm Lizzie. Thank you so much for having me on. Um, I'm so excited to talk Marvel with you guys, Um, especially because I just had you both on my podcast, The Marvel Shipyard, so it's kind of fun to come on to yours and continue the conversation of how much we love Marvel. Um, I'm on a a podcast network called Random Chatter. Our podcast is called Guardians of the MCU, but you can find us all the podcasts that we have on the network at Random Chatter. And then across social media, I am at the Lizzie T, T-E-A. That's my Twitter, my Instagram, my TikTok. And then I have a small shop called The Morage Thrift House where I uh, do secondhand reselling of a lot of Disney, Marvel, Star Wars stuff, but also really curated collections of some thrifted things. So that's kind of like the smattering of places that you can find me across the internet. <laughs> um, How did I not know about this fun vintage shop? Uh, um, I was getting ready to say the same thing. Rude. How did I not learn about this until just this moment? I feel like that's a fail um, because I love things like this. Thank you. We're going to have to talk about this more later. Yes, yes, <laughs> or now, whichever. So it's funny because I was just on Lizzie's podcast last night and we were talking about Sam and Bucky. So we're like continuing our like gushing over these two guys today. Oh my goodness. For real. The gush factor is strong. I'm all here like anxiously awaiting my signed Captain America photo that's supposed to, well, it was supposed to arrive yesterday and then it got bumped out and it was all like, oh, it'll be here tomorrow. And I was like, whatever, just hurry up and get here. And then I'm like, I'm going to need one of Bucky because. Um, I got I know, my signed man. Captain America photo already and now Wait. I need a Bucky <laughs> Barnes. It's not rude. It was my birthday gift to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just salty that yours is here and mine is not. Oh, um, okay, but fair. can we just talk about the smolder he is putting off in that assembled video? A high neck, under armor, whatever tight thing he's got going on with his like baby scruff and his little cleft chin i was like oh my god just stop the talking and get off the screen (laughs) so cute he is i was just like oh my god i was like i can't with you right now (laughs) what's perfect about his casting is i think he really joins the ranks of like um robert downey jr and chadwick boseman and chris evans in like them embodying sort of embodying the role off screen too is that you can I mean he's obviously not like the dark version but I think the light funny 1940s 
Bucky is very much who Sebastian is. So whenever Mm -hmm. he gets a moment to sort of like lean into that lightness, you, it's like literally who Sebastian is as a person. And his smile is just. Oh my gosh. Marvel could let her smile more. I know. Right. (laughs) I'm kind of like, I love the winter soldier, but yes, when Bucky smiles, like the whole world smiles and I just, ah, I love it so much. Oh, gorgeous. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I mean, I feel like we could spend all day just like standing (laughs) Sebastian Stan and Bucky Barnes. So maybe we should actually talk about something else. Yeah. We we should talk about. Um, So Lizzie, what were your favorite parts of the assembled? So I really liked the part. Sorry, it's about Bucky, but <laughs> um, it's fine. I'm just like trying to steer this ship because I know <laughs> Jan and I are infamous for tangents and like you and I got on some tangents last night on your podcast. I just, I know where it's going. So I got to stop it now. <laughs> it's, it's steering toward Bucky hard and it is not slowing down. <laughs> no. So I find tangents to be delightful and I'm always uh, somebody you can, you can uh, count on for a good tangent, but it does really, it it is actually about the assembled piece. And I think there was that one part where he was talking about how as, as an actor, he was really hoping that when you watched only the movies that had Bucky in it, you'd really get this through line of the character and feel like you really, it wasn't disjointed or discontinuous in any way. It really, from movie to movie, he's moving through these stories and it's like one piece all together. And actually, I like, I've been watching, doing certain like little runs of watching things that are completely all out of order, but like central to who the character is. And I love that he said that because that's literally how I watched the movies leading up to Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And it's how I did a, the road to WandaVision. I do like a, a road to whatever the project is. And then I handpick what I think will rep- really represent and lead me into that project. So, you know, Falcon and the Winter Soldier was definitely like the Cap trilogy and then like Endgame, Infinity War and Endgame really to get me into that. And so I love that he mentioned that because it really was how I, I really have liked to take the MCU that way lately. And so I thought it was interesting that he as an actor has really thought through that and his performance from that perspective of like continuity from a character, um, which from the writing is there, but like from how he plays it. And so that really stuck out to me because I just, I mean, it's something like random, but it really stuck out to me because that's how I've been in taking a lot of the MCU lately. So I was like, oh, yay, I did that. (laughs) Yeah, I like that part too. And I feel like Sebastian Stan is just so good. And I think they mentioned it too in the Assembled that how he embodies both the winter soldier and Bucky and just how he acts and the, I think, you know, he mentioned how they really wanted to get into the character's thoughts and you really can see it in him, like his facial expressions and like a twitch of his jawline. And I mean, not that I hate looking at his jawline, but like, you know, (laughs) sorry, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) But I think to a degree, they probably all do that anyway, but it's so hyper-focused the way that she's directing it and they're filming it, that you're so aware of what's happening. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's those angles. They get in super close to all of them. And I love that about the series, that it was very character-driven instead of plot-driven. 
Yes. Well, it's like, I think it was Anthony Mackie was saying it's almost more of a drama than anything else at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I also liked how the, um, the director, director was talking about that, like scale from like, uh, you know, with rush hour on rush hour and the comedy on one end and then like the more serious action on the other end. And they were like, sort of aiming towards like a lethal weapon, a middle ground where you do have the comedy but you all are still very much action minded and I you really feel that in the show it's not just like yeah. serious you know a drama only but it's also not just like slapsticky or like you know rush hour which I love rush hour but it doesn't hit like that level of like camp and so mm -hmm. it really fits in the middle somewhere and so I thought that that was an interesting scale that they were using that came through really strongly for me as I was watching the show. Yeah, it does. Same here. Um, I have to say one of the things I loved about the assembled, aside from seeing like obviously how they're bringing this together and learning about the scope of the project and such, but that Zemo commercial. <laughs> it's just That was funny. I, so we were talking before we hit record about how Daniel Brühl is just adorable and like you can't hate him even if you want to and and Zemo is a complicated character anyway because he's not exactly like yeah he's doing bad things but his motives aren't necessarily super evil but anyways this is totally I guess it was just him they put the camera on him and he's in his like that really fly jacket that he wears and he just did a commercial about it was like Oh, Sokovian wear. We got pajamas. We got jackets. We got this. We got the slippers. It's fine. He like takes a shot. I was like, oh my God, I love this so much. Ashley, don't tell me for a hot minute you couldn't see me doing something like that if we were filming. Uh, I totally could. I would actually expect it. So if you didn't do it, I'd be like, what? Are you sick? <laughs> yeah, his jacket is like, I think that adds such a like flavor to the character it's like such a it's not a small thing but it is such a small thing that really elevates him I think for everybody that jacket just like is so so much a part of his of who he is it's a secondary character to him <laughs> yeah it's oh, almost sure. like Doctor. <laughs> it's like Doctor Strange's cape it's like it's yeah, its own character that jacket <laughs> yeah. yeah it truly is <laughs> yeah I love it I also found it interesting how they explained dealing with filming during COVID and how they were going to film in Puerto Rico, but there were, you know, earthquakes and then, you know, they were in Prague and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit like full force and they're like, well, we got to get out like in less than 24 hours, we got to get out of this country or, we're, or we might not be able to get home. And just the way that that kind of pushed them as filmmakers to work within that because we were all in such an unknown thing like nobody filming shows have dealt with something like this so that was intriguing to me too to see just how much I mean I think we kind of knew it took a lot of extra effort but like to see it and hear it from their point of view it was it was something yeah for sure yeah I, I really appreciated them sort of talking through that I think like we know that things changed immediately like I remember hearing about hiccups in production for a lot of projects but like actually having creative you know directors and everybody talk about what it's like to go through that really I mean it just we were also going through it they're going through it they're making the show and then they're giving it back to us it's just 
it was it's such an interesting like thing to be brought into now at the end of the show still during the pandemic you know it hasn't it has not over so it's um i really appreciated them sort of highlighting that journey for the crew yeah 100% yeah and i love that these assembled shows they did it with wandavision they kind of break down and they look at each character uh contessa yeah. was hilarious they were like we wanted a shady nick fury and i was like that's accurate description i mean she is a shady nick fury and she's also nick fury's girlfriend in the comics so, so funny i was and, like i like that some, and she made some comment about like well we don't know if she's good or bad yet and i was like sis <laughs> right but she also said she's like it's about time for a female mastermind i'm like nobody uses the word mastermind when they're not talking about like an evil character like you right. don't say Oh, Steve it was Rogers funny. is a mastermind Captain America. You're like, no, right. he's a good guy. No, no, guy. no, for sure. Mastermind definitely alludes to not nice doings. Like, <laughs> it's like, okay, Julia. She's definitely working in the gray area. Oh, yeah. yeah. She, she's like, well, it's the gray. I was like, gray my bum. I was like, that's like so dark charcoal. It's not even funny. She, I thought was really funny when she like, was talking about her character's name and she basically was like honestly they just sold me with a name she's like i thought it would be gobs of fun and i was like who says gobs of anything in 2021 i was like you are so elaine right now i can't even i was laughing so hard gobs of fun i'm i'm gonna bring the word gobs back to 2021 so thank you julia louis dreyfus because that gobs of fun i'm doing it I love her so much. I mean, Seinfeld is my is probably my very favorite sitcom of all time, um, followed closely by Arrested Development, which she is also in. And yes, I just I love Arrested Development. Oh my god, it is the best. It it's smarter. It's smarter than Seinfeld. Honestly, like the writing is smarter, but Seinfeld has a nostalgia factor for me that like eclipses Arrested Development. But her character in both shows is just so funny and they're my they're like my favorites and so when when I saw her like it pans up in the show um I was like what yes like I freaked out so I like I liked her talking about you know why she wanted to even do it and how much fun she had doing it I mean it was very apparent that she was like eating up every line and 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 using that ambiguity I think that I mean her character is very much like an Amanda Waller mirror character so there aren't it isn't like a full villain you know there are some shades of gray in there um it's very like mission she's got a mission it doesn't matter who else (laughs) cares about her mission but so sometimes there can be some gray in there and I think that she is adding so much to that just by who she is as a person as an actress and yeah um I would love to see her and Nick Fury on the screen together. I just, that, just that planting that idea. I was yes. like, oh, I'm, I'm going to need it. I'm going to need it. Sam Jackson and Julia Louis, like, give me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, that's what I said, because as a comic reader, I was like, oh, I was super excited about her. And we were on a friend's podcast and, you know, they're not a comic reader. So they're like, who? Like, why should I be excited about this character? Explain it to me. And I'm like, this is why. But yeah, just the possibilities and the conversations that can now occur if we oh. get Samuel L. Jackson and Julia so Louis-Dreyfus together, like gold. So good. I would pay money to be on a set, like behind the scenes, just to watch the two of them interact. And then to see them on the, like on screen together, dude, so good. 
so good. Oh, for sure. Overall, I was just really pleased to see that Marvel slash Disney Plus did another one of these. I loved the one they did for WandaVision. I loved this one. I love the deeper dive kind of into the characters. I love kind of seeing and hearing behind the talent and the creative teams what kind of goes on in their heads and what the impetus is for some of these characters or, you know, the character arcs and the plots. You know, Nate was talking that Sam's line at the end of Endgame was kind of what prompted this entire series when he was, you know, when he says the shield, it feels like it belongs to somebody else and or to someone else. And I was like, that is so cool that this wasn't really a, a thing they had kind of looked at or thought about until that happened. And I was like, that's kind of cool that they, you know, kind of see or hear something like that as part of another thing they're creating. And they go, wow, we could do this whole whatever. And then look at where they are. Like that to me is just that it wasn't ever sort of in the sight lines for them. And then they see this and then they go, oh, that's a great idea. Like, let's look at this and, you know, carry it forward. And I, I just think to me, like knowing what we know about how they work behind the scenes, it's just so incredible to hear them talk about those little things that happen. And then I, I can't remember, Ashley, have you been to the Marvel Studios? Because when, no, I can't remember his name, but when he was like, oh, and then they, they panned to the suits and I was like, oh, they're on the second story of the Marble building. Um, and he was like, no, <laughs> I was like oh my God, that. I was like, this is more exciting. But I was but like, thanks for rubbing salt into that wound. I appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but I was like, I was sitting there and I was like, I don't, I was like, I think that's one of the ones Austin hasn't done yet. And I was like, crap. But I was like, oh. So Lizzie, if you remember toward the beginning, the gentleman with the dark curly hair, and I really cannot remember his name at the moment, he's talking about just like all the stories and access and like creative that goes into things that, that happens like at the Marvel Studios offices. Yeah. And so there was this whole section where they're showing like costumes and glass. And so like in there, they have like all these props and whatever. And then there's like a library of comics and all sorts of things. And if so once in a while you get the rare opportunity to actually like go in that space and it's just jaw dropping amazing. And so it's like when he was talking about that, I was like, Oh, I love that place. I mean, hashtag life goals. <laughs> Seriously. It's kind of like getting to go to club 33. You're just like, Oh, ranch. Best day ever. Yeah, Skywalker Ranch. Yep. That's a good one too. Yeah. What I love about the assembled, um, this assembled series is that like, We'd, we'd usually have to wait, what, like eight months to a year after seeing a project to get something behind the scenes like this. I mean, if you think yes. about a DVD release and you'd get all that great content on a DVD that now in a digital age, you know, with a Netflix movie or, a you know, a show, you, we're not getting any sort of, unless you're seeing something on YouTube or you get an interview or something, you're not getting any of that DVD content that you used to get because DVDs are really a thing of the 2000s. Um, yeah. I know it makes us all feel old, but it's really true. We've gone into a streaming age and we don't get those. What we see in behind the scenes is the actors tweeting or posting a set photo or, you know, those little like TV snippets that you get like a, a mini behind the scenes. So this is really like our new age version of those DVD extended footage behind the scene deleted scene or whatever and I I kind of love that because it's a media and you don't have to wait too long for it and it really adds to what we just watched a week ago and so it's as much as I still like 
lament the loss of like a DVD with like 10 deleted scenes and the bloopers and like whatever. I think that this is an in, such an interesting thing to offer the fans in place of that because we're not going to go backwards, you know? So I, I think that's really cool. Can you make sure not to tell my husband that people don't buy DVDs anymore and Blu-rays? I will make sure never to mention. Yeah, because I also still buy them, especially if it's a combo pack with the digital code. But my husband's like, why? Yeah, it's not, I mean, I think that they're still purchased. But even like the ones that I have purchased in the like maybe let's say in the last five years, I feel like they're offering less content behind like maybe I'm wrong in that and I'm, I don't buy Blu-ray. But like the DVDs I've bought, they never have anything like the way that they used to. Oh, that's 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 true. Like the DVD copies don't. The yeah. Blu-ray usually has all the the good stuff. Right. And so I I think that it's super interesting to have like the even with but still with the Blu-ray or you still have to wait for a significant period of time after you've seen the property and then now it's like oh a week later here's all of this great footage and commentary and and like behind the scenes stuff and I think that's really cool. Um, to watch how the evolution of, you know, our version of the evolution of media has come about. And this is a piece of that. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, yeah. And yeah, I to be fair, I only buy the Blu-rays of, I mean, basically it's Marvel properties. And then <laughs> some of the Disney movies. But it is entirely because I want those behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. That I can't right. get anywhere else. Right. Right. So Falcon and the Winter Soldier had a ton of great moments packed into six episodes. I know it's hard to pick favorites because trust me, as I was thinking about this podcast, I said three favorite moments. I don't know if I can pick just three. Um, To be transparent, (laughs) I picked three knowing full well that three was going to be almost impossible, but that gave us nine between us. And then I know we'd be like, oh, but remember this other one? And then remember this other one? And it would take forever. And so I figured three was a great starting point. (laughs) Right. So three plus tangents. There we go. So that's that's the formula here. So Lizzie, (laughs) do you want to share yours first? Sure, I'd love to. I and in with all full transparency, I picked four just in case somebody picked any of mine. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> I'm like, I've got my list. What does she say? I bet we have some same stuff. <laughs> yeah, I, I was like, I'm sure we'll have crossover. I literally cannot not have all four of these pieces on here. It's impossible. <laughs> but I'm gonna start with my very, very, very favorite, favorite, favorite moment was um, Bucky and Sam playing catch with the shield in episode five, um, just their whole discourse in that moment, the apology from Bucky that really, really made me think and made me cry so, so much loving Steve Rogers and, and just thinking of how Steve probably felt, you know, I, I still think he's alive somehow. We were talking about, Ashley and I were talking about that last night, but I, like, I feel like he's still alive. So just thinking about how Steve would have felt to think that he did a disservice to Sam by not understanding not really being able to understand even if he didn't do it on purpose but that whole scene like really meant a lot to me and really just stuck out so much um and then the therapy session between Bucky and Sam and the therapist I thought was funny and it set set the such a tone for where they wanted these two characters to go in the show and it was just like delightful and hilarious <laughs> and then Sam's entrance as Cap that very first entrance which Actually, like now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably the press conference later that is like even more 
like cap than that entrance but there's something just about seeing the suit for the first time that really stuck out to me the wings and the just the whole thing that I was like <gasps> yay <laughs> and then the final one is like every single interaction with Io and Bucky and talking about like um the white wolf and how he you know he really worked through a lot of that trauma on Wakanda the decompressing the letter uh, not the letters the words and sort of taking their meaning out for him. Um, I think that, that that scene of him crying at the bon- like around the fire, just like, I can't get that oh, out of my head. So that those scene, were like my uh, four pieces that I just, I keep thinking about on repeat and I can't let, I, they won't be letting go of my heart anytime soon. <laughs> that's fair. Those are all has- super, super good ones. Yes. I think, uh, so yeah, I had the therapy on my list because Which, I didn't put it on my list because I knew it was on your list. And so I was like, I'm not going to purposely not pick that. Cause I know it's going to get mentioned. <laughs> I, yeah, it's funny. Cause I was like, she's going to say therapy, but I'm going to say therapy. It's fine. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, cause we share show notes. Right. And so I was like, oh, I'm adding mine in. And I was like, I'm not putting therapy because it's going <laughs> to get mentioned. I was like, so that, that basically means we get an extra moment. Right. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, therapy was on my list for sure. The, that whole exchange with the staring contest, like I just, I adore it. I could watch that scene probably over and over again. So funny. for me, the Winter Soldier moment. So that's kind of a cheat because it's not one moment. He kind of slips into Winter Soldier mode a few times, even when he's still Bucky, like in Madripoor. Um, but I, the Winter Soldier is my favorite movie out of all of the MCU. And the soundtrack to that movie, I adore. And the Winter Soldier theme is probably one of my top, like, three favorite themes in the MCU. So just being able to hear it and see him swagger in with that arm, I just, <laughs> I just that loved arm. it. Oh, so sexy. <laughs> it really is. I mean, we were watching the Winter Soldier the other night and just, like, when he, like, steps down off of that car... When he's oh. just like stomping at Steve, I'm like, oh god, oh why? I mean, I don't even understand it. It's fine. Anyways, moving on from that because that's a whole tangent. <laughs> so it's like a double podcast tangent. Oh, uh, for sure. And then my other like sneaky thing because it's obviously more than one. Um, I agree. The Wakanda moments, not just the bonfire or the fire scene, and the alleyway scene, but also when the Dora Milaje come in and kick Walker's rear end. Oh. I could watch that on repeat as well because slay, yeah. ladies, slay. Seriously. We never got our Dora Milaje cut. I don't know what's up with that. <laughs> oh, I know. Like, they got I feel the like Zemo have cut. To make one. <laughs> Let me get the Dora Milaje cut. Or better yet, give them their own series. Someone, please. Yes. Boot camp. Dora Milaje boot camp. Oh, I would totally do that workout. Mm-hmm. Have you Same. seen that? Did you see that clip of them all practicing like during the pandemic? It was in the beginning of the pandemic. Yes. It was like what we've been doing <laughs> during the pandemic. Yes, I saw that. And I was oh. like, I want to be a Dora Milaje mm-hmm. so bad. Seriously, so bad. So the Wakanda moments... I wasn't thinking specifically of the butt kicking one, but of the Bucky being broken of the Winter Soldier words. That was also on my list and I didn't put it because Ashley had it on hers. So I was like, yeah, it's two more we get. So I put specifically Bucky apologizing to Sam, which was on your list, Lizzie. Yeah. As part of that scene, I just, I think for me, the fact that 
I mean, obviously they have this whole relationship that starts out, you know, with this kind of weird distrust, but they know that they are being brought together by the same person. And so that they, I think deep down, they understand that while they don't necessarily have the same trust for each other that they have for Cap and vice versa, I think they instinctively know that they should based on Cap's trust of them. It's going to take them a while to get there. And so I think that moment for me is just kind of like the, wow, they really, like, he gets it. Like, he fully understands why Sam didn't just want to take up the mantle. And so that, like, just that whole scene and specifically the, you know, here's my olive branch in the form of my fake arm and a shield, just, I just thought was so touching. I don't really know why I love this so much because it's so heartbreaking, but I think it's is also like the scene where he is in front of the fire and he's just so broken coming out from underneath all those trigger words for his winter soldier commands. And, you know, so when he goes to see Yori and tell him that he was the one that actually killed his son and that it wasn't his fault, but he had to do it or whatever. And just watching his face. I I just love that moment because it's, and it's twofold. One is his acting is just brilliant because it's Seb and we all just know he's awesome. But that to me is kind of like the culmination of his (laughs) no longer avenging, but just his making peace with all the things that happened while he was the winter soldier and that final crossing of things off the list. And so I think that's just a really powerful moment. And then the other one for me is Sam's speech because I still think it's so powerful and so impactful, but also so timely. I think it's going to stand the test of time and I think it's going to be looked back on as something extremely important that Marvel has actually, you know, helped craft this speech that Sam gave. And then even more so today in watching The Assembled where they talk about you know, the writers called and they worked it through with Sam to make sure that like what he was going to be saying was kind of more than just a written speech. Like for a movie, it was actually something he was comfortable as a black man in America in 2021 saying and expressing his feelings. So those are my three. And that's what's so beautiful about having the diversity behind the screen is that, you know, that sensibility for making sure that it's not just, oh, let's read what's on the script. Um, let's make sure that whatever, you know, there's so much happening in the world, we can't just ignore that and have a flat script where it's like, yeah, it means something in the script, but it means a thousand times more knowing what's going on in our world. And it's important to be having those conversations behind the screen too. And so to know that they're doing that and to know that they're checking in and all of that is really so like important and it really elevates it. And you can feel that could feel how the every moment with Isaiah Bradley you know the moment in the beginning where the police are you know are, are you bothering this man to Sam and Bucky's like whoa don't you even know who he is like that's it, it's just so poignant and it's so it's so obvious that they have a lot of diversity behind the scenes as well yeah I thought it was great that they brought in Isaiah Bradley's character and then of course we get Eli's introduction as well yeah. through that which is great for Young Avengers or people like me who are like, yay, bring Young Avengers on the screen. But, you know, my so my husband's black and it was important, you know, I think to him as well to see that 
And this show, it's funny when people are like, I wasn't expecting it to talk about race. I'm like, really? Really? Out of all the shows, this is the one that it has to come up with because of the, not only just America in general, what's going on, or just the implications of having a black man take on the Stars and Stripes like they discussed at, you know, at length in the assembled uh, program, but it also happened in the comics. So... Again, if you haven't been paying attention, the stuff's been here for years. (laughs) Right. This isn't new. (laughs) It's not like Marvel decided to have the conversation. They've already had the conversation. And now they're (laughs) having the conversation on the big screen. Exactly. So Stan had such a sensibility for making sure that people were seen. And that's, I mean, he was doing it so far back in the day that it's not really groundbreaking for Marvel to go there. I mean, it's about time visually on screen but they've been going there for years like you were saying yeah well so many of their characters and storylines were in response to things that were happening in real life back in the day i mean that's i mean that's how black panther came to be like that's how that entire comic line started well and um, you know isaiah bradley that was their commentary mm -hmm. on the tuskegee airman experiment project rebirth that's was marvel's version of it yeah to address what happened there in our history and i don't think a lot of people realize that but i'm like that's where it came from like this isn't new guys come on Lee and jack kirby have been (laughs) politicizing american events via comics in you know for decades like this isn't a new thing and i think people don't people especially who aren't maybe avid comic readers don't realize that well, they should. I'm just kidding. But seriously. <laughs> I mean, you would think. Yeah. <laughs> Do your research before you rant. I mean, I mean, come on. <laughs> For real. I mean, I'm not an avid comic reader and I know that. I mean, I, because I, yeah. I do do the research and I do go back and say like, oh, what was the context around like Luke Cage entering? Oh my God. Like a black man in New York having superpowers. That alone set the stage you know, for when he entered the scene. And so I, as a non-comic book reader, I, I'm somebody who does go back, but I have talked to a lot of people who just, you know, it's interesting because Marvel has so many entry points now that you could have come in in the comics or in the MCU or now on the shows, specific movies in the MCU, that there's so many different places to come in. And it's very hard to to funnel those entry points with all the information about the behind the scenes, right? Like you have to really be somebody who's like, let me go back and look. (laughs) Right. Um, Well, you're a rare, you're a rare breed because there, you know, (laughs) as you know, being on Twitter, Reddit, wherever you see people ranting all the time. And you're like, if you just read one thing, like if you just Googled it one time, you could have answered that question for yourself. (laughs) <laughs> it's very true people be cray that's true <laughs> and while we're all sad that falcon the winter soldier is over we do know we'll see these guys again hopefully we'll see zemo again he is obviously alive and well and doing what he does best and that's staying twenty thousand steps ahead of everybody else did you see that um that article that just came out that said that they're they're talking a bucky show just bucky I'm- I would love that personally. Yeah, I just but, thought, I don't yeah. know who wrote it and I haven't looked deeper. It was just somebody sent it to me on Instagram. So 
you know, it's very much in a rumor and speculation bucket, but, um, hmm. uh, but I can't imagine after the reception of the show that they're not like, how many things can we get from this? Not <laughs> right. And a second season of the show or a first season of Captain America and, and the winter soldier, but like to give Bucky that la- landing pad, launching pad to like become the white wolf. Like Ashley and I were talking about yesterday on my podcast, um, was like, you really want him to be able to focus in on that. And a show on Disney Plus would make a lot of sense and go a long way to get him to maybe a White Wolf mantle. You know, where we I kinda I kinda wonder if the second season of Captain America and the Winter Soldier will be more Winter Soldier focused. And maybe that's kind of where they're picking up that vibe because I feel like we got Sam's it was very Sam's focused this season. Yeah. And rightfully so. But I think second season could be then the same service, but for Bucky with Sam playing the like, I'm your bro. Like I'm here to support you kind of thing, but don't, you know, talk to my sister. Oh my God. (laughs) We do have to mention the Sarah parts in our favorite (laughs) books because they were so good. Uh, Yes. I mean, when she like grins up at him, cause like, he's just like living. (laughs) I'm I'm like, same girl, same. When he's got, she's got the clipboard and he's like, hi, I'm Bucky. And she's like, oh, hey, like what? What? Like, <laughs> ah. I mean, oh, if those- Bucky wants to, if Sebastian Stan wants to stand near me with the clipboard, I would have the same reaction. I mean, I don't think I told Ashley this story that I, I when I ran away from Sebastian Stan at a party because I was too intimidated. <laughs> but I, oh, oh my God, that's hysterical. I well, was Janet. Like- introduced herself to him on my behalf at a party. <laughs> that was the best. She knows. Best I showed story. her the picture. That's how we got talking about, like, she, like, gets nervous around celebrities. And I'm like, oh, heck no. I'll just walk up and be like, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. I mean, <laughs> I don't get nervous, but, like, when I walk away from the experience, that's when I have to have my, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. You know, I get freaking I get- out straight nervous to the point where my friend was like hey isn't that because it was right after first avenger so he was like in first avenger and he had been in once upon a time that's once upon a time was where i knew him even more and he was right behind me my friend christine is like sebastian's that's the guy from once upon a time behind you and i was like i'm sorry who sebastian stan and she's like yeah and i was like we have to leave we have to leave this party like we're leaving and she's like why and i was like we're leaving this party good say goodbye we're leaving I'm dead. That's hysterical. So that's what I do. (laughs) Meanwhile, I told Jana, I was like, if you see Sebastian Stan, I need a photo. And he needs to know I exist. And now he does. And I'm sure he totally remembers that interaction. So we, you know. Oh, I'm sure he remembers me. Yeah. I'm sure. (laughs) Go to a party with Jana. She'd make a great wing woman. (laughs) Oh, yes. I mean, so like. The freak out, like when we interviewed Paul Rudd for Ant-Man and the Wasp, I love, like who doesn't, right? I love Paul Rudd and I've loved him since Clueless. So like in my head, I was going, oh my God, I'm talking to Josh. (laughs) Like I'm totally bugging. But outside I was cool and calm and we're talking about our kids. It was ridiculous. But after it was over, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. I don't have that outside calm thing. (laughs) It I have takes the, some practice. <laughs> I have the inside freak out thing, but on the outside, it's a, a really big problem. <laughs> but I, I mean, that being said, 
we were supposed to be very close and personal with Chris Evans last year, and it didn't happen thanks to the pandemic. So, I mean, maybe under those circumstances and not in a professional setting, I might totally have a different reaction. Right. But trying to keep it profesh when we have to interview these guys. That's true. That's a thing that you have to do. (laughs) Professional. Ugh. So boring. It's it's not as fun. But here's hoping cons come back and it looks like some of them are planning on it. So cross your fingers. New York Comic Con is planning to come back. So, but I'm wondering, like, what the ops are gonna like photo ops and stuff. Well, going forward, because they used to be super fun, and now. Even before everything shut down, right, they started to change rules about putting, like, plexiglass between you and, you know, Chris Evans. And I'm like, but I, no, I want to touch him. (laughs) I want him to hug me. What are you talking about? So, anyways, I'm I'm hopeful. Because I feel like now we're going to get a ton of, like, Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie at cons. Yeah. That's going to be a delight. I'm so excited. Yes, a delight. That is an accurate. <laughs> it's like a Turkish delight. They're irresistible. Oh my god! <laughs> yes. <laughs> they keep you coming back for more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, also, can we get Daniel Brühl at some cons? Ooh, talk about Turkish delight. Yum. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Lizzie, for joining us today. Oh my gosh! Thank you for having me. It was so fun. And we will have some links. Uh, on our show notes so you can find her online and thank you for tuning in to this episode of the geek girls universe podcast join us next time as we share all the breaking and exciting fandom news as always if you see anything you want to share with us tag us on twitter at whiskey and sunshine and at that ashley aaron and until next time geeks thanks for listening join us again next time for more geeky goodness